right, so we're back. HBIT is in the house permanently. All right, so for because it's been months, <laughs> um, poor Ian, <laughs> poor us. Um, can you tell the audience what HBIT stands for? HBIT stands for Head Bitch in Training. Actually, we used to say, I'm Amy. Yes, and I'm <laughs> Trisha. For those of you who... May, I mean, forgot. Have, forgot. That's the most likely scenario here. <laughs> let's be honest. I'm probably not a new listener. Just our forgot. moms did not forget. But for new listeners and those who we left hanging, uh, like it's like the worst like TV show. Like the end, this cliffhanger. We left a huge cliffhanger <laughs> for sure. Somebody got shot. You won't know. No, no, no. Nobody got shot. Everybody calmed down. <laughs> nobody got shot. However, uh, we have had a lot going on. I think it's been 13 months since the last time we recorded. No way. That yeah. has not been that long. I think the last one we recorded was in March of last year. Okay, I'm doing math. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is 13 months. (laughs) Okay, let's. We could have had a baby and a half by now. (laughs) Nobody did. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So let's pause. Okay, so what what is our purpose? And it's always evolving, of course. What's our purpose of HBIT? What are we planning to do with this podcast? So I think the main thing that we focus on is like being ladies who work in governing and policy and Mm -hmm. politics. Yeah. and social justice and being feminists in that environment and also um, just a larger commentary around our political climate and our social climate. So we talk about politics, pop culture. Yeah. Being a lady. <laughs> yeah, emphasis on the lady. Yeah. And then um, also I think we tend to talk about some personal issues because the personal is political, right? Yes. <laughs> Thank you, that is feminist. True. <laughs> uh, um, uh, feminist 101. Mm-hmm. And then also, uh, I, I think like we're at the beginning of our careers. We're mm-hmm. in our 30s, mid ish 30s. Right. I think this is really the beginning of our career. When I first started the podcast, I was looking for one. Yes. And then I got one. Yeah. Right. And so that was like a fun evolution of like where I was at. Right. Um, and now that I'm in one and I can kind of calm down a little bit, but that I'm in this learning period right now. Right. Right. I mean, I think a lot of what we started out doing this podcast for was navigating those, our professional paths. And we're still trying to figure that out. Oh yeah. Every day is like, am I doing adulting right? (laughs) Like. Do you do you think of it that way? Oh my god, I've been bringing lunch to work all of a sudden. See, I don't even I'm like, did I forget my tuna packets again? <laughs> it's the little things. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Um so let's uh cover some life updates. So Wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh. Uh, let's talk about part of why we haven't been on the air. Oh yeah, there's so I think this is common with all of us, right? And so if you have a lot of things going on um, um, outside of your career or outside of your interests, your passions, everything's just going to come to a halt. Right. Mine was going in a pretty positive direction, but it, you know, as somebody who supports you and like because Trisha's <laughs> a little bit the opposite, but also in a really like. In a good way, we're we're all learning, right? We had a we had a short period of growth. 
But, per- personal growth on both sides here. But to be able to do something creative, it's uh, so this could have been an outlet for us. We needed to take a pause, mm-hmm. right? Yes. As, as somebody who's going to support you, especially with going through what you've went through lately, we it was really important that we take a pause. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, imagine if we had been recording podcasts and I was just like <laughs> emotionally vomiting all of that stuff on our <laughs> podcast every month. <laughs> you come in with a cigarette. Well, today I got a divorce. Yeah. Uh, so that's the bombshell. Uh, I think on our last episode, I I think... Was the last time we recorded or the one before where I was talking about post-nuptial depression? Yeah. That was some goddamn foreshadowing. Yeah. Let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I um, I got into a car accident shortly after we had recorded our last episode, and it kind of triggered me into a month-long manic episode. Mm-hmm. Um which I know we've talked a little bit about mental health. And I think we need to talk about more in the future. Yeah, yeah definitely because for both of us, yeah. Especially as professionals, like, we're required to cover a lot of that up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not mm-hmm. it's not socially acceptable to have your mental health problems impact your mm-hmm. functioning in life. Yeah. Um, and it did. I ended up having to take a leave of absence from work for and about a month. And they were really supportive of it. So another thing that you learn through that, be honest and open about yes, what's going on. Yes, my... Workplace was extremely supportive. I am so lucky to have had such a a, a strong support network. You mm-hmm. and my mom and my brother were all there for me for the whole thing. Um, the whole episode kind of culminated in uh, me realizing that my marriage was not the thing that I really wanted to be doing or should have been doing. So, uh, yeah, I'm not married anymore. Like, super living the single life. <laughs> and I've kind of gotten to a place where I'm, like, really, I'm really okay with that. I've never lived by myself before. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually just got a roommate, but, like, that's beside the point. I live together, I lived by myself for quite a long time in this period and have never done that before. Yeah. And as some people who have listened to us in the past, remember that time I was talking about um, doing Tinder and OkCupid and Match.com? Well, now Trish is doing that, and yeah. I'm not. And, <laughs> it's yeah. so funny. We've really changed places. So. Yeah, I'm in a committed long-term relationship, and, and Trish is dating now. It's awesome mm-hmm. because we'll always bring the single life in this. <laughs> One of us will probably always be single, and I think right now <laughs> it's probably just going to be me forever. Nah. No, no. at some point, the thing will happen. But I'm, like, for the first time in my life, like, really okay with just being me. I mean, there's a small, like, outside situation that we might get into at another time in my uh, situation. But, You're yeah. Up, but we're good. So we're we're ready to do – we're ready to podcast again, podcasting again. I got my shit together. That's the moral of the story is, yes. like, I finally got my shit together. There we go. Shit this together as much as it can be together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you're still having fun, so it's good. Having tons of fun. By the way, uh, my voice is, like, insane right now because I have been sick for, like, a month and a half. I've been to the ER. I have all these inhalers and steroids and can't get rid of this sickness. Today, (laughs) I started drinking fire tonic, which is, like, fermented apple cider vinegar with habanero peppers and horseradish and ginger and raw onions and garlic that like ferments for three weeks it's helping i drank it twice today do you stand by the bathroom constantly then no it just seems like something that well you only drink like a half of a shot glass 
Okay. So I did it at do my... Do you carry this around with you? It's in my car. You're supposed to do it like once a day or something, but I did it do this morning. Do you mix it with whiskey? Sorry, I have so <laughs> many questions about this. That's my plan when I get home, all right? Like, <laughs> yes, possibly, potentially. I, I took it the first time this morning and I was like gagging. And then my boss walked in and was like trying to like stand next to me and talk to me. And I was just like... I got to be real honest. I just drank some crazy shit and like I am breathing Wait, fire okay. on your face right so now. So before we move on, because we really have to move on. Yeah, We I have know. a guest on. You fermented this. No, three, no, no. I bought it. Ago. Oh, okay. Because I was like, you went into a lot of work to but now potentially like, have to throw it all up. No, no. I. It's not. I'm going to start making it though because it's kind of magical. Okay. Okay. All right. So we um, wanted to give. Wait. Uh, what, do you want to do an update? Like, I feel like wait, I did. I'm no All longer... you said is you're not single anymore. Um. Yeah. I. I'm no longer on dating sites. God, they were the pain of my existence. But Remember you... the worst one was OK Cupid for me, and that's actually where I met Chris. <laughs> yeah. 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 You I guys just... had like kind of a torrid, really amazing love story, though. Like it just kind of happened out of thin air and then you were just like in love well i (laughs) so (laughs) the first date i wanted you to come with me because i thought he was gonna be our bff yeah because he lived in atlanta at the time so i was like trisha we're just gonna make a new friend you should come with me and then the we went to a baseball game and i still was convinced like he's gonna be my friend because he lives in atlanta and then the second time I met him was with Trisha, and he walked in. and was like, "Oh, he's gonna be my boyfriend." Yeah, and then he moved <laughs> here it. like yeah. very quickly. Three months later. Three months later, and that's Trisha's cause... been along every step of the way. Obviously, we like really need to talk about our codependency issues yeah. with each well, other. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> we're just lucky to have our others. That's all. <laughs> that's all. Like, wait a minute. Yeah, so that's where it's at. It's, but it's we'll really continue beautiful. to talk about some of those things in the future. And yeah. We'll keep giving you updates. I mean, but I know we're all it's good. completely enthralling. Yeah. <laughs> wonder what Amy's up to. wonder later. what Trisha's dating social oh God, so interesting. soap opera is going to be like next episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we wanted to talk about uh, the studio. Yeah. Ian. Uh, so our very good friend Ian, who's been the most patient person with us the entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to promote his studio because it's amazing in here. So he's our producer. He's been producing our podcast this whole time. That's why it sounds so good. It has nothing to do with us at yeah, all. Yeah. He's just kind of a magician. Uh, so we used to record at his job, mm-hmm. and uh, he just opened his own studio, and it is amazing. Actually, we're technically not open yet. We're doing oh. this show. We're doing this show pre-open. That's oh, right. We're real special, you guys. Yeah. So, Ian, you want to tell us a little bit about it? Uh, sure. It's called Studio Americana. Uh, it is a studio that I set up in a former radio station here in Minneapolis. It used to be KQRS back in the day. And uh, got a really good uh, line on some space here and uh, made it happen. We put a, got a loan together and uh, put some equipment in here. And I'm hoping that it, it certainly seems like everything's going the direction of what you guys are doing. It, it's podcasts. I mean, not that yeah. radio's dead or TV's dead or anything like that. But people really do want to uh, not be told what they have to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> and they want to be able to choose. And I think, uh, I think five years ago this would have been a really – strange idea would have been tough to do but i think uh we're really at that point where this is the future yeah yeah and even for us uh for pocket i mean you worry about i think at first we were like how many listeners but and now it kind of doesn't even really matter like 
it's about this creative outlet. Right. We, there I are a lot more podcasts. I think the more that we do this, the more we're going to target exactly like what our role is and what our point of view is. But that's right. kind of a work in progress. I mean, I've come across somebody who's like, I really like space. And I'm like, space podcast would be totally interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. chat with me or Trisha or Ian and we'll get you connected to yeah. Ian. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Studio America, uh, studioamericana.com is the website. So, uh, and that's the thing is like, you know, we, uh, you know, I came from a radio background. Like you said, we, we used to do this at a radio station I worked at. And yeah. most podcasts don't, they don't have access to phones. They can't do stuff live and have call ins and things like that. And uh, I, if I do say so myself, they certainly don't have the equipment we've uh, put together in here. Um, so, no, it actually looks like I'm on a spaceship right now. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, we, it's built out a, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I went a little crazy with it. It's no. beautiful. And I, I, I mean, we were just talking, we have a guest coming up uh, about how lucky we are to have been able to record in a yeah. real studio this whole time. And not in a closet. Yeah. There's a lot of folks. Um, and, and that's yeah. that's the other thing is, I mean, yeah. I know you're doing this one over the phone, but you can easily invite people into a place like this. Whereas if you're doing it in your closet with a bunch of blankets on the wall and stuff, like uh, you can invite people in, but a lot of them aren't going to show up. Right, right, right. That's a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. Not weird here. That's the thing. Yeah, it's yeah. not weird here. Not here. This is yeah. This is amazing. Super awesome. That's about all I have to say about it. We'll, we'll we can certainly talk more as it evolves. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But uh, studioamericana dot com. That's the one. Or just uh, you know, give us a jingle or whatever. We are also yeah. We're on Facebook. <laughs> we're on all the stuff. I, as soon as we decided the name, I was like, we're gonna grab every single social media yeah. uh, studio Americana yeah. name possible. Yeah. Right. Perfect. Ian checks voicemails. We don't check voicemails. Yeah, just an just FYI. Say, I said give us a jingle, but, but I was really, like, who we would even never uses their tiny computer as a phone anymore, <laughs> or even their phone as a phone. That's what I meant by <laughs> tiny computer. Ah, uh, got it, got it. Nice one. Uh, All right. I, I think... thought you meant iPad Mini. <laughs> Whatever that little thing is that is supposed to make phone calls that we don't use for that. <laughs> no. Yeah. All right. I think we're ready for Natasha. All right, so we uh, have a guest coming on to talk about conflict in the workplace. Oh, what, the, here's what I titled it, Trisha. Oh, tell me. <laughs> Please. What did I say? Workplace issues, Facebook issues, Benihaha issues. Yeah, what, I don't, what is the Benihana thing? I was looking at that and I was like, is that a typo? What is no? Are you going to talk about this with her or do you want to preface this whole thing? Well, preface this as Ian's getting her ready to set up. So, um, so there's a song, and you would think that I would remember the artist who sings this. I can look it up. But in the lyrics, he, uh, I'm the whitest person who's talking about this right now. He says something about Benihana issues. Benihana? Like, oh, am the I, restaurant? I'm saying it wrong. Yes, Benihana. <laughs> this is such a classic Amy moment. I mean, like, Benihana is like a totally Minnesota, like, that could be a street. Like no, Minnie no, Haha, yeah, yeah, Hiawatha, no, no, this is an Amy moment. This could is be a an thing. Amy moment where I'm totally saying it wrong. So not only did I quote a hip hop song, I have no, <laughs> I should not be doing it all. No context. Then I, then I said it wrong. <laughs> okay, so a little, a little backstory also to this, please. Benny ha- Hana, <laughs> I can't even say it. This, this actually comes up in a lot of hip hop songs. Benihana does? Yeah, yeah. The restaurant? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of hip-hop songs that um, reference this restaurant. And so I thought, it's just an inside joke. Yeah. 
So. Are there a lot of like having conflict at Benihana? That's a thing. Well, I just think the nature of chopping things up in front of you, there's like this tension that happens. Okay. But no, All right. no, it's a it's, metaphor. No, but no, the hip hop song is Benihana Issues. Issues. Ah, okay, so intro- introduce Natasha. Okay, so we have a guest coming on to talk to us about Benihana issues <laughs> and other things. Her name is Natasha Lapsinski. She is also a graduate of our graduate program, MAPLE. Uh, she is the founder of Dialogue Up, a transformational leadership and facilitation consulting firm that works to transform internal and external relationships through conversation, connection, and community. She works across a variety of sectors with a focus on restorative and community justice training and implementation, (coughs) excuse me, and hosting effective public policy dialogues and helping nonprofits and government entities achieve their missions through management consulting, robust communication enhancement, dispute resolution training, and crisis management tools. She also has a blog coming out soon. It's called Dialogue Out Loud, Getting You to the Highest Possible Level. So, I mean, Natasha is a perfect fit for our podcast, obviously. (laughs) Um, We are really excited to have her on. So, are you here, Natasha? I think she's here. Hello. Hey. Hi. Welcome. Hi there. So, did you hear me reading your bio? I did not. Okay, so I went through it. I read it. Told people awesome. about your blog. Yeah. Do you do you want to talk a little bit about your um what you do and this blog that's coming out? And then we'll Absolutely. get we'll ask and then we'll ask you some questions. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, thanks again for having me. Thank yeah, you. so I actually um the work that I do started out in the realm of restorative justice and mediation. <laughs> Um, and a little bit of social work. That's my background. And essentially what happened is over the course of several years, I started seeing, as obvious as it sounds, conflict is everywhere, not just in our everyday relationships, but in the workplace and in all of our lives. And given a strong interest in public policy um, and of course the current dynamics at the White House, mm-hmm. um, it, just, <laughs> it became a really strong interest of mine to take it to a different level. And so really the purpose of the work that I do is taking conversations to as difficult as they may be to a different level to make them transformative so that we can hear each other, we can learn from each other and really take the narratives that we're hearing um, and transform our perspectives. So that's where my organization Dialogue Dialogue Up came from, the idea um, that in our communities we use a restorative justice process um, particularly in the justice system that works on working with both victims and offenders to address crime. But at the same time, we can take some of those same principles and the same conflict resolution principles and apply them in our everyday life. That's awesome. Yeah. Super cool and necessary. Absolutely. So necessary. So your blog is yeah. is it going to be it's a blog it's this is like a blog that you're starting that you're going to be posting and you know it's going to be a thing yeah that's how <laughs> blogs work Trisha. Well, i don't know because like <laughs> i mean like sometimes people contribute to a blog oh so yeah. i guess that's what i'm asking is it going to be like your website with your blog on it 
It is. Yes. It's nice. going to be my blog. I'm definitely going to have people contributing to it, especially because in Minnesota, we, a lot of people don't realize this, but we have a really unique network of people mm -hmm. that work in the conflict resolution field. Okay. Uh, there are, I, I can't pinpoint exactly how many organizations particularly, but there's eight mediation centers that are really strong across Minnesota. Mm. There are seven restorative justice agencies just in the metro area and around 30-ish if you include different school programs around the state of Minnesota. And then tons of people doing just general dispute resolution and working as independent mediators through the state of Minnesota. So we're really lucky that we have a strong network. Yeah. Um, the people that are doing this work, I think, Specifically, what makes the work that I do unique is that I'm taking it to a level where we're having conversations about it. And as the blog says, dialogue out loud, because we are, we, a lot of times, much of our work is done behind closed doors. We're not yeah. allowed to talk about it for very obvious reasons, both ethics and then, of course, making sure parties are safe. Mm -hmm. but there's such an inherent value in constantly talking about how we can become better communicators that... Um, I felt like this blog would be a really good place to start that conversation. Yeah. Um, so for for um, some folks uh, who are maybe new to the term restorative justice, do, this might be a loaded question, but can you kind of give a brief summary of what that is? That's oh, absolutely. Oh, man, this is my jam. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I was like, oh, man, this is going to be like asking me about housing programs. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh my body just flushed. I got yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll actually I will define it and then explain the difference between other forms of conflict resolution. Okay, perfect. Um, but if you think of conflict resolution or dispute resolution as sort of an umbrella term, mm -hmm. restorative justice and mediation um, just kind of fall on a wide spectrum. And then restorative justice, there's a clear person that um, did a specific harm and there is a need to heal whatever that harm was. Okay. Um, so the way that restorative justice is often viewed in the criminal justice system as a victim-offender dialogue, but it really goes beyond that. Many schools across Minnesota actually are using it in their classrooms to address just everyday issues. When a person has committed some type of offense or harm towards another person, it creates an opportunity to have dialogue to really address what they did. But instead of it being done in a shameful way, making the person feel small, it's done in a way where both the person that had the harm done to them and the person that did the harm are prepped in advance to come together to have a conversation that can transform both of them. And the third part of it that makes it really unique is that there's a community component. So whether it's, if it is in a school setting, that would be a principal, social worker, or even their family members, or even friends are involved in the process to make it really holistic and think about ways that they will keep the incident from happening again. That's, that, that's really powerful. So that was my commentary yeah. was just like, <laughs> that's a powerful way to it's, deal with problems. Oh my goodness. In the cases that in particular, I've done, I've ranged all the way from, I did do one homicide, which was mm. many years ago and really difficult. Um, and in that case, of course, because the person was deceased, you're working with the family. Right. But it's giving voice to essentially to ask the hard questions of what happened that day. Yeah. Um, and it can go, like I said, the span from something that significant all the way to a kid threw a pencil at me. So it's not, you know, it's not a assault problem, but it's something in the classroom that has been ongoing um, and they want to address the issue. Right. 
Um, and then how that differs from mediation mm. is mediation. I was going to ask that question. I was like, kind of sounds like landlord mediation, some of the stuff we yes. get. Yeah, okay. Okay. Absolutely. Perfect. And yeah. a lot of it, and it, actually for me, it's interesting because when I started out in this field, I'd only done restorative justice cases. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in one and I thought, man, this feels like it's, wasn't that it wasn't working, but something was missing. And I remember going to my supervisor and saying, hey, I'm feeling stuck between these two parties because I feel like they're both the victim. They're both mm -hmm. the other. Yeah. And then that's when I was like, I need to go to mediation training. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up that there are, that there's, it's gray, but there definitely seems like uh, differences between the, the two. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And there, there's often a tug of war between the communities. And I think um, over time as conflict resolution as a whole develops and becomes more nuanced, but also people define best practices, mm -hmm. things become a little clear. But essentially the key difference is in a restorative justice case, you're working on a specific issue for a specific harm. Mm, okay. Where mediation, both people are sort of coming in with their arms crossed and you're okay. going to be working with issues back and forth. Right. So are there lessons um, from each practice or each model that you can take, like that the listener or, you know, Trisha and myself can, can take with us to work? Because it does sound like that even like personally, like some of the conflicts I have at work or in life, like I can take some of those lessons with me, right? Right. Like, I mean, the, yeah, let's go with that. Well, like the personal harm or like the, um, you know, being able to come to the table. If you feel like you're were personally harmed, uh, like right, coming like, to the table or like maybe you're um, both like coworkers or like I can't even talk to you right now, right? Like. Yeah. Yeah. I have a problem with holding a grudge. <laughs> Trish is into which stuff. <laughs> yeah, like I am like planning a hex for someone right yeah. now. But whatever. It's not so restorative it, at all. <laughs> so I would say if I was your mediator and you brought a voodoo doll, <laughs> I might be like, oh, what to do? they actually call it, it's interesting, it's a political term too, but they call it caucusing. Ah, caucus. yeah. <laughs> So I'm going to have to caucus with you. No. <laughs> but I'm glad you brought that up because we hear that a lot. People um, might have concerns about their own initial feelings before they're coming into a mediation. Yeah. Or and I think one of the most important things to know is that, of course, your feelings are completely valid. Part of the process, if it was going to be a restorative justice situation where you're addressing a specific harm as the victim or the person that was harmed, there would be a lot of front end work to really understand what happened. And before the people would come together, the other person would have to admit wrongdoing. Mm, right. if, they, if they don't, of course, we would never bring the parties together. Um, in a sense, if it's in a workplace and you're dealing with a conflict, um, one of my favorite tools to actually use is something called Courageous Conversations. Um, there's a really good book, and I can actually send it to you guys. Oh, yeah. Um, to We'll put the link yeah, up on our website that we haven't yeah. updated in 11 months. But some of the questions I like to ask myself is just to think about how severe the situation is in general. Mm -hmm. And then just basically mapping out with yourself what are the possible risks and possible gains 
of bringing the situation up to a person okay. and how they might receive it. And so just by walking through those things, um, you can just become aware of, it's allowing you to basically think about what the possibilities of the conversation might look like, but there are downfalls to considering some of those questions. Yeah. By mapping the risks and gains, you're also making assumptions yourself about what's going to happen. Right. And that can be good, can be bad. Not necessarily either. It's just a reality. Um, but essentially what Courageous Conversations does is regardless of all that, whether you decide to move forward or not, um, is there's really three goals to it. And one is that you're gaining wisdom to see each other from a bigger perspective. The second thing is that you're coming into it with the understanding that regardless of what the outcome is, that you're going to establish some sort of trust in the relationship, mm -hmm. whether you're even deciding if you're going to have a relationship moving forward or defining what that relationship looks like. Um, and the third is just knowledge so that you can have perspective on how you're going to move forward. Nice. And I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot too lately is I think that maybe as a woman, I think we should be okay if you're working in government or nonprofits or unions, that there's just going to exist a natural tension and that that's good because we're challenging the system in some way, right? Like I just think some of the work and some of the questions and some of like the testing of boundaries of our systems and that causes some some natural tension, you know, then you want to be careful not <laughs> right. so much, but there's going to be some natural tension in what we do because we want to, at the end of the day, push Make progress. Forward. Make progress for and for the the folks that we're working for. You know that. And yeah, that we have to ask those uncomfortable yeah, questions. Yeah, and pushing back on. Yeah, but then other... checking ourselves when that natural tension is now you're taking that personal, like you're doing that personal, like. T right. Absolutely. Oh, you're hitting something on the head, which I think is something that the blog sort of touches on and hits on, but exactly what you're saying, especially if you think about even the Black Lives Matter movement mm -hmm. and there were so many different conversations happening online mm -hmm. and people were talking about it from different perspectives and um, it's difficult because you can't jump in maybe as a moderator or a mediator in an online conversation, uh, but there was half-truths to everybody's argument, whether they were right or wrong. Right. Um, and so how do you address those or have difficult conversations about the reality of their perspective. Um, like you said, to push the envelope and have conversations. Right. And I think that especially if we're talking about social media, we and, and as people who work in social justice and politics and government, uh, we live and work in a call out culture. So yeah. um, if you're doing, you know, if you're on Facebook in a I'm in a, like a secret Minneapolis feminist group, right? And once every what? day. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I'm in it. I yeah, think I'm fighting. Now all of a sudden I felt like I was not cool. No, uh, <laughs> but you know, every day somebody posts something and they get, there's a huge flame war because like two feminist versions of intersectional feminism don't line up completely. So like where, how do you draw a line there between like, 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 I mean, this is getting really kind of in the weeds, like specific oh. situations, but like, I think that that's, that's a, that's a thing that people who do our kind of work struggle to mediate between other oh. people in digital communication a lot. Absolutely. So it's interesting because there, there's a couple different things, um, 
is that there's some assumptions that we have to make about each other. And this brings in a whole different like psychology component that's outside of conflict resolution in general. Right. And one, one point to know is like, obviously we can't change people's personalities. Right. But there are some things, behaviors that we can change. And sometimes it's something as simple as saying, okay, I hear what you're saying. It sounds like, hey, we both agree. Feminism is important to us. Here's why. Mm -hmm. um, and as simple as that sounds, being able to draw those similarities to then move on to the bigger and tougher conversations. Right. Yeah. So like finding a common denominator. Well, and just listening. Mm -hmm. Like you first listen. Oh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And one of the big things that we teach when we're working with mediators for the first time is exactly what you're saying, Amy, is that you're looking for, you're listening for values. Mm -hmm. So regardless of what somebody's specifically saying, you're listening for something in common. So if somebody's talking about, you know, their, their specific perspective on an issue, I'm listening for something. I think of, I see this all the time, of course, at the legislature. Okay, so we're in a public safety meeting, but it sounds like, sounds like everybody here actually really cares about public safety, regardless right. of how we want to do it. If you want to view it as locking up as being the smart way to do it or the hard way or having programs that are rehabilitative, regardless of what it is, we value safety. And sometimes just making those statements and saying it out loud allows people to take a deep breath and step back and then say, okay, now what is our most pressing issue? And then in addition to this issue, is there something else? How is this issue affecting you personally? Right. What would, what would the future look like if nothing changed? What do you see my responsibility in this issue being? What do you see as your responsibility in the issue? Right. And these can be both a specific yeah, conflict no, this as well as can totally what you're you know, saying what, totally applies to. I'm gonna totally. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna set up my our staff meeting and be like, "Hey, you guys, I got some tips." And we're gonna have some courageous <laughs> conversations. I love it. I'm learning. I yeah. I've learned a ton just like in the last like ten minutes here. Yeah, this is really awesome. So, uh, Natasha, can I ask you one more thing? Absolutely. Do you have any tips on? Um, how to maybe not take things personally when you are having a conflict in your workplace. Because oh, that's so something hard. that I struggle with a lot. Like I have a really hard time not taking... Not creating a voodoo doll. Yes. <laughs> I am, yes. I'm the same way, but not with the voodoo doll. I'll be in the corner bawling my eyes out yeah. like a four-year-old. Yep. And you know what, it, it's so interesting because it actually comes down to our conflict style. So everybody, um, and I don't have them all on the tip of my head, but I can also email this to you. But awesome. there's one that's, there's one that's avoidance, <laughs> running to the closet. Sometimes yep. I'll do that. Yep. Crying, um, attacking other people, blame, shame, all these different things. But when you understand your conflict style, it allows you to, of course, evaluate how you are. Um, but one thing that I often do, as cheesy as this might sound, and again, it goes back to psychology, is I view it as there's going to be people that have an abusive nature in general. Mm. And unless they're doing something that is inherently awful or evil, which is pretty rare, mm -hmm. I have to acknowledge that they're coming from the best place that they can be at that moment. Mm. Even if I agree with the way that they're saying it or how they're saying it. Right. Um, and often easier to do with people that you have built a relationship with, of course. Right. 
lot harder to do with somebody that's one, a stranger or somebody that you're in a meeting with in the workplace. Right. Um, but if you think about it being a spouse or your significant other, how would you react if they made a comment that was just pretty ridiculous? Well, he'd well, be sleeping on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then after time passes, Boy, bye. do you have a conversation? Do you right. ignore it? Right. Um, Especially if it's so, so awkward and if it's like in a public, public way, like a meeting or something, you know? Right. Or have or, I done that? I honestly, like, sometimes I, I got to check myself. Or, because, you know, passion can come sometimes come across as being a little. I, yeah, like, <laughs> I went to my precinct caucus a couple weeks ago, and I I totally lost control of my frustration <laughs> at somebody because they were being, like, I think, like, I am the stormy person that you You got you caucus have. sassy? I got caucus Aggressive. <laughs> I got well, the whole thing is a shit I show got anyway. caucus aggressive. Caucus yeah. <laughs> aggressive. It's funny. And it was rough. And I was mortified at my own behavior. But see, this is what's so this is what I love about conflict resolution in general. Yeah. That it's so forgiving in the sense that Trisha, especially you being able to say, I know I did a behavior that I wasn't really thrilled with. Right. And, and I'm in, in my defense, I apologize to the person. Well, yeah. Right, but. and that is the key. So, I think if we if we true now I'm getting into a whole other thing. <laughs> if we truly believe in second chances and we believe in the inherent ability of people to change and that they're bringing them their best selves forward and they might have a bad day here and there, mm -hmm. if we believe in that, which I think we all do, um, then that's why this stuff works. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, this is really great, Natasha. Thank you so much uh, for just participating in this <laughs> this silly conversation it. that sometimes Trish and I have. But I will say, what a great timing for what you're doing right now, because as with the federal government and as um, it's just you know, like what Michelle Obama says, when they go low, we go high. This is like a high thing that we can achieve, right? Self-awareness. Emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence. This will help all us us all get there. Like yeah. we need to get there. We need to come back as a nation. And what you're doing is so important right now. Right. Finding common ground with the people we disagree Listen, with. Listen. Listening. Don't blame. Right. I'm just saying. I am. I'm seeing in myself that I really need to work on all of these things. I do too. Uh, we all do. Yeah. yeah. No, and constant. We're not For like. Sure. Oh, I remember actually one of my mentors saying, "People that do this work are some of the most like you'd think they're the most conflict competent," <laughs> and they joked, "They're the least." Yeah. yeah. Well, whether it's where because you wear your heart on your sleeve or whatever. Right. Um, all right. I know is that you guys, the work that you're doing, both individually and with this podcast, is super rad. So oh, I'm thanks. just honored that you need to come on here and chat a little bit. Uh, but I will definitely send you the links yeah. to yeah. some of the stuff we chatted about and you guys can post as you see fit. Awesome. Thank you so much, Natasha. Have fun in Chicago. Thank you so much. I will. Thank you. Thank you, both. Bye. That was really great. Oh, my gosh. She's awesome. So quickly, we'll wrap this up. Um, you should do um, give us a um, brief update on conflict that's happening right now at our state capitol. Have you guys heard about the white male poker game going on at the Minnesota State Capitol Retiring Room? Because I have. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just wanted to do a quick shout-out to Melissa Hortman and all of the incredible, powerful women legislators, specifically the women of color who have recently come into the 
the legislature who are really standing up for what is going to be best for Minnesota and specifically for Minnesota's most marginalized people. So uh, there's been a lot going on at the legislature. Yesterday there was a huge rally at the Capitol to support. uh, Melissa Hortman called out all of the white male legislators who basically walk away. What they were actually playing a game. They physically walked away every time a woman of color legislator would take the microphone and... So they basically, and this is so interesting, we talked to Natasha, basically legislatures are saying Melissa Hortman is um, causing conflict when in reality they're doing this passive aggressively. Yeah. You don't get away with that, Their guys. behavior is causing the conflict. Conflict, yeah. And it's it's wrong yeah. the way they were behaving. Yeah. yeah. They were literally, literally going into the retiring room, which constituents are not allowed into, and playing poker while women of color were giving speeches. Yeah. And and so first of all, they're not doing their job. Right. They're there to listen to other legislators and represent the people who elected them. Right. Instead, they're in some secret fancy ass room playing poker. And this is where this is where I think um, as we go for the uh, podcast where I'm struggling with too, even at work, where if we call out something, we're really direct and forward and like you can't do this. This is not okay. Then is my message then coming across as bitchy? Oh my right? gosh, this is a whole nother podcast, right? But it, I mean, this is what basically <laughs> Melissa was, uh, Representative Horman was faced against is uh, being accused of that and then being forced to apologize when you're like, "There's no apology that no. I need. To, I needed well, to call it out." Yeah, absolutely. She was super courageous to do that, and the uh, the the the. Minnesota Republican, uh, the House GOP caucus, or some group of them, uh, sent a, made a, a, an official complaint alleging that she was being racist towards the white male legislators. All right. Which is, which <laughs> is technically impossible, <laughs> to say the very least. But... She still is refusing to apologize, and I stand by that strong ass, amazing head bitch in charge. That's she is she is our HBIT this week. HBIC. She's a she's oh she's a C. yeah we're we're in training. She's in charge. That girl ain't in training anymore. No, she's yeah. <laughs> All right, so we just want a quick rundown of future potential topics. Um, immigration that definitely impacts a lot of folks that we know. So we wanted to bring a guest to talk a- about that. I think we're gonna have Nur Nur come on for that. We should ask him before we. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and say yes. He works across the street from me now. So <laughs> by street I mean hallway. <laughs> Legislative updates. Um, we're we gonna ask somebody to. Come in and and this will be a Minnesota legislative update. Um, I think like right at the end, May. That well, should, that should be next month actually because the session ends on the twenty second. Right. If there's not a government shutdown, which also we could just bring her in too. That would be fine and talk about the government shutdown. Um, women in music in Minneapolis. We were going to bring a friend in for us. Yes. We're eventually going to have to talk about the elephant in the room the orange elephant in the room oh, donald God. trump 
Um, no, I mean, eventually he's going to disappear. No, no, because remember we predicted, remember there was one podcast where we were like, we don't even want to talk about Donald Trump. He is, and I was like, I feel like we got to talk about him. I feel like we predicted a lot of things in there. We did. So just the FYI, we predicted a lot. Yes, we did. We're. I mean, I'm half psychic and you're just really smart, so. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I just listen to a lot of podcasts. I steal ideas from podcasts. Oh, okay. Um, party themes. Uh, I think in the summer we want to help you out with some party themes. Oh my like gosh. my jock jams party theme I've been sitting on for a little while. Amy, uh, Amy helped me throw my 30th birthday party, which was urban cowboy themed. Yes. <laughs> when do we realize how domestic violence that movie is? <laughs> yeah. And also, like, the whole playlist was pretty problematic whatever <laughs> and then dollywood where i'm going to dollywood this Shh, summer girl you, and you've done a what did you say it was i did a pilgrimage to dollywood because i don't know if we've ever covered this but i am obsessed with old country music specifically loretta lynn and dolly parton and so it was probably like seven years ago my partner at the time and i took a week and a half off of work rented a car we were poor as fuck uh, we rented a car, dropped our dog off at her parents' house, and drove to Memphis, Nashville, Hurricane Mills, which is Loretta Lynn's ranch, and we camped every night in a different nice. country music landmark. And the end prize was getting to Dollywood, where we rewarded ourselves with, like, a La Quinta suite <laughs> <laughs> for two nights. Wearing cowboy boots. No, we didn't have cowboy boots, but we did get some amazing airbrush t-shirts. Oh my god, you need to write this down. This yeah. needs to be a so, thing. Yeah, Dollywood is amazing. They also at Dollywood, she has a whole like birds of prey exhibit because she's really Shut in, up. You know that's my favorite shit. No, it's Elena's favorite shit too. Oh, it was I have so, so many cool. friends that are randomly into <laughs> birds of prey. Yeah, no. So, so she, she has a whole room of it? Like a whole, you know, exhibit. Like an it's like I mean, it's like an amusement park. It's like a giant dolly themed valley <coughs> valley fair, excuse me. <laughs> it's a giant Dolly Parton themed amusement park. With roller coasters and a little miniature Birds of Prey zoo. Free kindergarten books? Free kindergarten books. They got Dolly impersonators. There's like a little, there's like a, a, a like to the T replica of the little cabin that she grew up in in the Smoky Mountains. Like it is the shit. So, so we've talked about it a lot right now, but we are going to spend in a podcast. No. <laughs> we'll, we can we'll talk. We Dolly. can do a whole podcast about Dolly Parton and Dollywood because we got, I mean, Dolly Parton is a feminist topic that we cover for sure. Right. Uh, I was just saying this to Chris that I think, you know, of all the lyricists of like the top 10 lyricists of all time that were from America, do, like Dolly Parton should be on that list, right? Oh, for have sure. we have agreed on that? Like that's an agreeable She's thing. She's amazing. Yeah, like Bob Dylan level. Like she should. She I needs mean, to... I have. I know, I know, I know. But I'm just saying, if you know, if people take in all of the. <laughs> She's written so many songs. Willie people... Nelson level. Yeah, people don't yeah. realize how many of their favorite songs she actually wrote. Right. Oh, okay. So this is totally going off topic. We gotta wrap this up, girl. Yeah. One more thing. <laughs> if we're gonna make predictions, can we make a prediction? Because we met we made so many predictions the last couple ones okay, that yeah. they were true. Okay. I wanna come to one podcast and be like, so that prostitute peeing story that was <laughs> connected to Trump. Oh, that yeah. ended up being true. Can you believe it? That was true the entire time. 
I'm I'm just saying that that is going to be a future podcast when we come in. We're like that was true. Yeah. So as now that we've said it, that will happen in like five months. Just just that like, that will come out as being true. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Because right now somebody, everybody's like, this is totally not true. But no, I feel like somebody's going to release that videotape. It's probably going to be like Putin. Yeah. Or like somebody who's really mad at him and is like, he's going to kill me anyway, so I'm going to release this. So we're just tape. saying that's true. I don't know why I thought of that after the birds of prey with Dolly Parton story, but I did. Okay. Okay. I'm down with that. Also, I'm going to Norway. That's the other update. Okay. Okay, bye. So many things. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I right now I'm obsessed with any songs that have jazz solos in it. Yes. Um, from Sturgill Simpson that we went to and that con- that concert was amazing. I was kind of disappointed because there were so many horns. horns. I know. I was obsessed. I was like, I can't handle myself. I'm so excited. I know. You were like. To now we're going to, because I. So I've created this playlist. I'll, we'll get that. We'll share that playlist um, on the website with all the jazz solos. And so our they're not just jazz solos; they're sax solos. Oh yeah, sorry, sax. Sorry, I've been saying saxophone solos is yeah. what I'm obsessed with. Yeah, um, get it right, Amy. <laughs> what are great. you actually really obsessed with? <laughs> uh, I've been really obsessed with Chaos Magic lately, which is just like a. It's just it's just like a it's it's not it's witchcraft, but it's like you just kind of make up your own shit, however you believe it and think it's going to happen. That's how you do your rituals. And you, we could do a whole two-hour yeah, thing about it. just put a pause it, on that because we'll, we'll have to talk about that's a whole segment. Yeah, so, so I've just been doing some magical uh, rituals and uh, some moon magic and stuff There like we that. go. This is why I brought it up, Trisha, because we're going to – this is our outro song. I could just talk about witchcraft forever. <laughs> so happy we did this. Good night. Shake it up like dice, the way you shake it up is turning mighty men to mice. But A plus got a surprise, that's a backbreaker. Now let me see you shake it up like a rough shaker. All I wanna do-